You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno. Today on the podcast, we've got Don Clausen. Don works over at the Center for Church-Based Training. He's involved in helping churches become more intentional around discipleship, but he's got a little focus in the, the conversation that we have today I find incredibly helpful, and that focus that he really likes to hone in on is this idea of worldview. Uh, what is it about the world that we believe? What are the lenses? What are the presuppositions that we have? And I really like the way he talks about it, and this is helpful in the life of everyone uh, who claims to be a follower of Jesus, but especially in today's day and age where there are so many topics that are showing up on the news that uh, we maybe have some beliefs that would be considered to be unpopular, uh, but we're talking about potentially the wrong things. We're not talking about the why uh, we believe what it is that we believe. And so Don's going to give us some frameworks and some questions to ask that are going to help us really try to uncover what our worldview is and how do we engage winsomely in conversations with others around this really important topic. And then you have to make sure you listen to the end, because he's got two sons uh, that are now grown and now to the house, and how did he handle worldview conversations with his sons? That was maybe my favorite part of all this, and maybe, uh, honestly, some of the most practical stuff, or uh, will probably, for many listeners, be the most helpful part of all of this. So you got to be sure to listen to the end and hear what he said about that. So uh, enjoy getting to know Don Clausen. Well, Don, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. Good to have you here today. Thank you, Adam. Well, uh, you want to give a little bit of your background and just kind of talk about some of the things you've done ministry-wise, because I know it's pretty interesting, and it will certainly set up where we're going to go today. My background includes 12 years of being a public school teacher, coach, principal, and after doing that for a while, I felt like God was calling me to have a, a wider spectrum of interaction with folks. Uh, public schools were getting a little constrictive, a little restrictive. So I uh, found out about Probe Ministries here in Dallas. I, I was up in Illinois near Chicago and uh, came down for an interview. And I said, that's it. That's what God's calling me to do. So I joined Probe Ministries in 86 and spent 26 years with them. And uh, about nine years ago, left to join a small another small ministry. That's amazing. What uh what did you teach? What class did you teach in high school or what subject? Most of it was uh US history. Okay. And uh you know some government and economics. That's great. That's great. Well, it obviously fits in line with what we're going to talk about today cuz today we're going to talk about worldview and uh a lot of times when people hear that idea of worldview, it can think about uh, history, we can think about political ideologies and things like that, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on some of that as we get through this. But the term worldview has been around the church for a while. Everybody's probably got a different way that they think about it. When you define the term worldview, what what's your what's your favorite definition, or how do you like to define it? Sure, um, I like uh, James Sire's books, The Universe Next Door, and how he uh, says it's really. Uh, Holding in your well, everybody wakes up with a worldview. Yeah, you know, we all possess one, um, and it's it's that set of presuppositions hmm. that uh, we assume to be true. Otherwise, we wouldn't hold them, and it gives us a sense of a perhaps even a story of reality. What it, what is this life about? What is reality about? Where is it going? So it gives shape to our perception of reality. It's a lens. 
through which we see everything. Yeah. Where does it come from? Yeah, it's often, certainly it's it's shaped a bit by your upbringing, by your family. Your family has a, a lot of uh, input into that worldview. But for me, it was, my personal story is my family was so dysfunctional <laughs> that I, I pretty much discounted it, although I was living consistently with it. It's kind of funny. You say that's bad. And yet you do the same thing. Yep, yep. And, and I went off to college with a lot of habits that were harmful. My mother drank herself to death. Mm. My younger brother killed himself with cocaine. Oh, wow. Um, just a lot of dysfunction. So I went off to college as an atheist and uh, kind of falling into many of those kinds of habits. And it was the first time I heard the gospel as a, as a sophomore in college. And it, it got me to, to thinking about those big questions of life. And fortunately, the uh, Camps Crusade director on campus handed me uh, Francis Schaeffer's trilogy of works, which had just been completed, really, uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. And it opened up to me the idea that this Christian thing is not just a bunch of rules. It is a full-blown worldview. It explains and encompasses everything. Which is pretty intimidating, though, for evangelism, right? Like if somebody was sharing the gospel with you the first time, it wouldn't be, hey, do you want to change the way you think about everything? Because, uh, <laughs> so, you know, obviously we're a little resistant to change nonetheless. But have you ever seen anybody try to share it that way, you know, of like, hey, this changes everything? I, I like Greg Kokel's uh, book, Tactics. He says, look, if you can just leave a pebble in somebody's shoe, there you go. if you can just ask a perceptive question that gets them thinking, uh, gets them to, first of all, look at their own worldview. What are their faith presuppositions? What are they thinking that's true about reality? And maybe begin to get them to look at them from a different perspective. So it sounds like you and I have some similarities in our uh, background. I've shared my story multiple times on this podcast, but I too became a follower of Jesus in college. There was something about that season of life for me back in the 90s, obviously, some time to think about things. Uh, and so when I first came across the idea of worldview, I would put it in this spiritual or maybe even philosophical buckets that that was, uh, hey, this is interesting to talk about, or uh, different faith perspectives talked about a worldview. I hear it now more kind of grouped in with politics. Are are you seeing that as well? And and do you is it you know any thoughts on that? Is that good, bad, indifferent? Uh, what what are your thoughts? Yeah the uh, the danger of of what often happens is that we go to the political because that's where you know, we live often in the political. Um, I see worldview as underneath the political. Um, it's it's those foundational issues. For instance, what's human nature? Are we creating God's image? Are we good? Are we evil? Are we a blank slate? What is What does it mean to be human? Well, the Bible informs that. And if you're trying to hold to a biblical worldview, it's going to give you a sense of, well, here's what God, our creator, has revealed about our nature, about our, our problem, and about what's the solution to that problem. Well, that's not political. That's not partisan. That's Christian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it will inform our politics. And I think churches would be far better off helping their people understand a biblical worldview those foundational issues rather than going to the political and, and let people take that worldview into their role as a citizen, uh, which means you're going to end up being political at some point. 
Yeah, and I like that. I think that's really helpful that the, the, the political views or ideologies are really just the outworking of some of these deeper beliefs that you have that are more of your worldview. So uh, again, classic example, relevant in the culture right now with the Roe v. Wade being overturned. And so why would somebody prescribe to be pro-life? Well, you know, we, we believe that that's a life, right? That that's a life in the womb. And so therefore, because of uh, that view that we have, we therefore would be pro-life and, and would, would you know, uh, have that stance. And so you start to see that it really is underneath all of it. What, what are some good questions, Don, for somebody that maybe for the first time wants to even know what their worldview is? Like if they were asked on a quiz to write down their worldview, they go, I don't even know where to start. Any questions that would be helpful for us to kind of uncover that? There are lots of books that offer those kinds of things. Again, I go back to James Sire and the universe next door. The, the first question almost everyone begins with is, well, what is ultimate reality? What is your perception? What's eternal is a good way to ask it. Uh, because philosophers have wrestled with that big question is why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there anything? And if there is something, and we all, at least we know we exist, right? Good old Descartes, then something has to be eternal. Either it's the universe, the material reality we live in, or something that created it, something beyond nature, something supernatural. So I, I love to ask people, and I've done this uh, in multiple settings, just where do you start in, in the way you shape your own personal philosophy? What's real? What's, what's ultimate reality about? And it's also a good place to show people that religious pluralism, this idea that that well, all beliefs are the same, and this—that's just not true. You can you can show people pretty quickly that, for instance, in the West here, there are three basic ways to answer that question: either there is a personal, all-powerful being, God of of the Christian faith, or even Judaism and even Islam, that created this material universe, or there isn't. There's no spiritual reality. And it's just the material, the energy, the matter, uh, and that's it. That's all that exists. Or you can take an Eastern view that says, well, everything is God. And uh, perhaps even ultimate reality is spiritual. This material stuff is an illusion. Uh, it's because we've forgotten that everything is God sort of thing. Well, those three are mutually exclusive ideas. Um, they can't all be true. If if you believe in the law of non-contradiction, and if you don't believe in that, then language has no <laughs> value and ideas are, yeah. So I, I think it, it gives us a tool to help people see that it really does matter. These options are not, you can't believe in all three. That's good. I think I remember hearing or reading uh, Brian McLaren is who I'm going to quote, but I may be wrong. So Brian, if you listen, and I misquoted you, I'm sorry. But talking about that somebody changing their worldview can be one of the most stress-inducing or anxiety-producing events in their life, right? Would you agree or disagree with that? Uh, do you have any experiences with that? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just think about it, even as a Christian, for, what would it take for you to walk away from your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? It would take something awfully dramatic. I've been a Christian now over 50 years, it, it it would be cataclysmic. Um, I, I wouldn't do that easily. And I've, I've spent a lot of times, for instance, chatting with Mormons about the differences between our faith traditions and uh, just watching them wrestle with uh, when you begin to challenge some of their basic assumptions. 
I've, I've read that it takes five years for someone to walk out of, uh, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, whatever, to change that worldview once you begin questioning it. Um, so it's not an easy thing. And we should be empathetic when we ask people to consider another view. Yeah, yeah, which obviously, probably if somebody is, goes into a cross-cultural context to share the gospel, they would be fully aware of that. I mean, maybe here in the West or in the United States, if you're sharing the gospel, we don't have to have less empathy if somebody, if you're evangelizing or talking to somebody about the claims of Jesus. And I mean, that that could be a, I like the word you use, it's like cataclysmic. It, this is a big deal, not just from a salvation eternal perspective, but just even in the day in, day, day in and day out workings of their life. I mean, this is a massive change in the way that they're viewing things, which can be pretty stressful at times for people. Okay, so we talked about some ways that we can know the worldview that we have. Is it uh, is it fair to say that one worldview might be better than another? How, how do you how do you think through that? Well, philosophers often use a number of tests for truth, determining truth. Yeah, I think one of the primary things people ask is, does this truth claim correspond to reality? Yep. Does it make sense in my day to day experience? Uh, another good truth claim or, or test for truth claim is does your system that you're offering, your worldview, does it cohere? Is it coherent? Does it make sense? Uh, do all the parts uh, hold together? And then, and then finally, is it comprehensive? Does it take into account all of our experiences? And the value to me of a worldview, a, a biblical worldview concept, is that it helps for a person to... Um, see that the Christian worldview does stand up well to those tests. It is comprehensive. It does cohere. It does correspond to my daily life. The Bible, now the Bible, by the way, is not a worldview document. It doesn't lay out the Christian faith as a philosophical study or, you know, a worldview catalog. It's a story. And it's it's about God interacting with his creation and redeeming a people for himself. There's a danger in that that we objectify what God is God's story and classify it. You know, we love to do that in the West. We love to put things in different categories and describe them. And but it does help me anyway. It helps me a lot because it does all of us go through times of questioning, you know, our faith and difficult times. And it gives me those categories to ask those questions. Well, does this stand up to those tests of truth? Does this faith I have really, is, does it make sense? Does it cohere? Does it correspond? Is it comprehensive? Am I missing anything? And, and so for me, it's reaffirming to think about my faith as a worldview system. You know, as you're, as you're answering that question, Don, what's popping in my mind is this phrase, you know, that people say what they think, but they act in accordance with their beliefs. And some of the times that people would would say, I mean, you can tell me all the things that you think, but if I just watch your life, I'm going to see exactly what you believe because you, the thought there being you can't act in a way that's incongruent with your beliefs, right? Is it true? Like, can somebody live in a way that is disconnected from their worldview? Does that make sense there? Like, it, or is it like, hey, no matter what, is it? It's a belief. Your worldview is a belief, and it's impossible for you to act differently than what you believe about the world. Yeah, there, there's a couple ways to respond to that. I do think Christians often are guilty of, of a bit of syncretism. Yeah. We like to borrow from different worldviews. And, and so it's so important to ask, you know, how do we know what we know? 
And of course, scripture is going to play a huge role in that. Do we really believe what it says of itself, that it's inspired by God, that it's God's literally God breathed uh, and is true in a, in a transcendent sense? Um, because if we believe that, we're going to try to construct a, a worldview that's consistent with it, that there's no other higher source of knowledge. But I, I'm afraid uh, often, and I run into believers all the time, people that claim to be Christ followers that have adopted a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of this and that, a little, and a lot of materialism. And um, really their worldview, if you laid it all out on the table, um, big parts of it aren't all that biblical. So, yeah, I think we can, and, and I agree with you. It's We also have an enemy that works overtime to distract us, even from what we believe to be true. And so our, our current culture is really good at that. Yeah, that's well said. It It is, and it can be, you know, it can have some disastrous effects on us. And and I think a lot of times this is where, you know, my heart goes out with this, or as I think about the men listening uh, just the implications of worldview uh, in our life as a man. I mean, one of those areas of life where the world has a lot to say is what it means to be a man, right? What What is the essence of masculinity right now? And so if if you think about this this topic of worldview in today's day and age in the life of a man, why do you think this is important for men to to really think through and consider? Boy, if there isn't a... If this isn't a time of confusion, I don't know when there was one. We are questioning every everything that Western culture, much less the biblical worldview, uh, has thought to be true uh, for a long time. Uh, even the concept of gender and maleness itself, uh, is it just a social construct? Is it just something that... You know, it's your the language game and the culture you happen to reside in. Is that what we are and what we are to be? I, I think the Bible does give us enough information. It's not exhaustive, but um, there is wisdom there that comes from outside it that transcends culture. And so when it comes to being a man, certainly Jesus Christ is the perfect man, God literally in the flesh. And I think to watch him and how he lived, how he treated people how he cared for people, how he loved people, uh, how he dignified people by questioning, asking them, helping them think through the issues. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was asked a few questions. He only answered a few questions. He asked tons of tons questions. Tons more, yeah, which is, there's a whole nother podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he respects us as created beings who are morally responsible yeah, we could get into the whole role of what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a husband? What does it need to mean to be a father? And we get biblical insight into all of those. So it it gives us some guidelines. It gives us some fences, which are so needed today. Yeah. How did you use this idea of worldview, or how did you teach it to your sons? We spent a lot of time—they they got tired of the, the word worldview. <laughs> Which means you were being clear. If, if they were making yes. fun of you, then they heard you. <laughs> they And they still kind of do. And to the point where my older son, he went on to get a, a master's in philosophy of religion from Yale because he was so fascinated with this idea of presuppositions and developing one's worldview. He's really uh, concerned with the question of epistemology, of how do we know what we know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's he's gone way beyond me. Wow. He's much, much more informed, much better writer, much better thinker. And and my other son, who's a software engineer, is also 
he thinks in these categories. So if I have a success as a father, I guess that's one. They they take this very seriously. Yeah. When they were, uh, go back to when they were, I don't know, let's say late elementary school years, did you, could have you guessed this is where they were going to end up? Or did were you having some moments of just going, I don't know if they're taking any of this right now? Um, I think the year that my uh, elder son dropped out of college, un- undergraduate college, in order to pursue uh, being a lead singer songwriter for a band for four years. Yeah. I wonder I thought I'm an absolute failure. Oh no. <laughs> I have blown this totally. Okay. But uh fortunately he came back and said, no, that's no fun. That's that's too much work and not enough money. Yeah. So uh your ideal view of who your child is going to grow up to be, throw it out, forget about it. It's going to be probably a different path than you expect it to be, and yet take the long view. Because the long view is that both of them, what we discussed, what we talked about, stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would imagine, like, if I put myself around your dinner table when they are, you know, late elementary school, middle school, you know, where, where their brains are able to, to recognize some of these concepts. My guess is, and tell me if I'm right, that to really talk about worldview, it's not so much teaching, it's more question asking, like really trying to get them to get to why. Why? Why? Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? To get to that, all right, it's it's the beliefs that that are held holding up the actions or things like that. Is that is that the way it went down in your house? Is that a good strategy? Yeah, that and uh, you know, you watch a movie or something together. Well, what do you think they're trying to tell you? What 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 are the? Because uh, every movie, every novel, th- there's a message there somewhere. They're trying to shape your thoughts. And so we would talk about that quite a bit. We actually read books on worldview together. And as soon as they were able, and both of them early on were able to absorb these concepts. Now, you, you want to use, obviously, appropriate language and, and try to keep too much of the technical terminology out of it. But, um, yeah, they, we would talk about what's going on in the culture and, and what are the underlying assumptions of people's positions on things. And and we still do. It's it's kind of fun. They'll come by. Both of them are in the area, and um, we'll we'll talk about these issues. That's so that's so great and helpful. And I bet there's you know just a lot of dads that are probably listening to this, going, yeah, I wanna I wanna teach my kids how to navigate these conversations. And so just helpful to hear some of that. So uh, one last question here before we let you go. Just this idea of again trying to engage in these conversations with people in our in our culture. So people in our neighborhoods, at our work, you know, where we have established relationships, and we want to try to have some of these deeper conversations. Is a worldview something that is better to sell your worldview and why you think it's better or to share? Uh, What would be your opinion there? I guess I would say too many of us see those opportunities, those conversations as kind of a D-Day invasion. (laughs) Yes, We we, we want to take the beach and we're going to back up the dump truck with all of our theological worldview concepts and make sure we get it in. That's absolutely, I think, the the worst way to think about a, a meaningful conversation with someone. In fact, I would argue, don't even share your beliefs until you've asked 10 good questions. Get to know them, try to understand who they are, and maybe then they'll say, well, what do you think? Now you have permission. Now you got permission. I love that. That is such a great way to end this. So Don, this is a fascinating conversation. Again, not even not even fair to give it 24 minutes, right? Like this is something that you clearly have invested your life. Your sons have invested a significant amount of time uh, in all of this. But I do appreciate you trying to simplify some of these terms and just helping us to see 
just as men, how important it is to think about why we believe what we believe. What is it that we believe? What is the nature of reality? Where does knowledge come from? And so we thank you for your time today. Great to be with you. Don, once again, thank you so much for your time today. As I told you when we were done hitting record, you talk about this in such an understandable way. Uh, this idea of worldview can be overwhelming sometimes to think about and filled with all kinds of philosophical terms and ideas. Uh, and I love it just how simple you made it and yet how practical. And so uh, thanks for jumping in on the Better Man podcast with us, sharing with our audience and uh, sharing stories about how you even used it as a dad. That was really incredibly helpful. So uh, thank you once again for all that. Uh, this episode, like all episodes, was produced, mixed, and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we got for today on the Better Man Podcast. We'll talk to you again next time.